Progressive presents Get Pumped. Inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Politics to the paranormal. It's the Kevin Cook Show. And your hosts, Kevin Cook and Heidi Hollis. Well, good evening. It's good to be back with you for another edition of the Kevin Cook Show. And Heidi Hollis is with us. And we have good guests coming on tonight, uh, Susan and Scott Ramsey. We're going to talk about the Aztec UFO incident. And actually, Heidi, I'm sick for the first time in seven years. It's uh, wild. Yeah, it's wild. I sent that virus to you and Joe well, since you're both. Well, I sure caught it. I sure caught it very handily, I'll tell you. <laughs> and I feel great. Well, I'm glad you do. Now, we have some good animal stories tonight. And this was on CBS News, but they stole it. And I'll steal it from them. And there is an Alabama hound dog named Ludivine. And... Uh, he lives in a small uh, Alabama town, and they were having a half marathon going through the town. And uh, Ludovine is just used to running around the town. I mean, they evidently don't keep him on a close tether or anything. And uh, he just thought it was fun to just run along with the racers. And uh, he finished the whole 13 miles and finished seventh. <laughs> and he's exhausted because he's usually a pretty lazy old rascal, but he just got into the spirit of the of the of the marathon so i thought that was pretty cool that's pretty funny yeah ludovine's cute mutt but one tired mutt and, and it's, it's all basically uh well with the exception of one or one small thing about chicago is uh it's all animal stories because a, a tiny florida lizard <laughs> got in some salad greens that made their way to a uh, new jersey uh school's cafeteria and what happened is uh, it, it survived. So they fished it out of the salad greens. Ugh. It's called an adult lizard. I'm not really familiar with that particular lizard. But uh, the school made it a mascot and called it Green Fruit Loop. And uh, it's uh, living up there happily in, in Princeton, New Jersey school right now. Good Lord. Oosh. Okay. I guess. So, and, and <laughs> well, God. and the the third animal story was kind of cute, too. What it was was, uh, oh, a cow got away from a slaughterhouse in New York City uh, Thursday, last Thursday, and uh, it made a run for it. It was running all over New York City, and the NYPD lassoed it. But a guy named Mike Stura of uh, Skylands Animal Sanctuary in, in, in New Jersey uh took it over. He came and picked it up from New York City, and he has an animal, you know, sanctuary farm type place. And the far, the he he just renamed the 
uh, Cal Freddie Mercury, and they're, they're going to take old they're going to take old Freddie over to uh, live in Jersey with some cow buddies, and his rest of his life will be spent happily over there. So that was a good ending to uh, you know what could have been a rough ending for old Freddie. Wow. But uh, but I I don't know I love all those I like the hound dog story that was pretty good. Yeah, the hound dog is pretty funny, and and the lizard was pretty gross, but well, I like wow. lizards. I used to have a lizard. Lizards are cute, but I don't want it in my food. <laughs> well, it it was hitching a ride with the greens. It wasn't you yeah. know supposed to be part of the menu. Yeah. Now here's some bad stuff about your hometown up there. Oh. Okay. Now formerly used to be craft, but uh, parts of craft bakeries were sold to a Mondelez bakery, and they're cutting like six thousand jobs in Chicago. Ooh. And they're moving the bakery lines to Mexico to save money. And these include offerings like Oreo cookies, cheese nips, and Ritz crackers. Goodness. Well, that, I mean, that's a pretty heavy punch in the nose for Chicago. That's a punch in the nose for the country. I don't understand why companies are not punished more for picking up and moving shop out of the country like that. Because uh, it's just all to save dough. And, uh, you know, that's one thing, like him or don't like him, Donald Trump is going to try to stem some of that. Yeah, I but, hope so. But but the thing is, it's despicable. Because, okay, years ago, you know, I told you, of course, years ago when I went up to have that experience up in New York, upstate yeah. New York in 2008, you know, of course, I was really enjoyed the territory and just snooping around. But every little town had the shell of an old factory that used to be the, you know, the center of economic activity in that little town, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw one of them up in Dolgeville, New York, which is a little satellite town to Utica. And that's where the realty office was. That's how I come to be there. And there, oh, Heidi, there was the biggest, biggest place you've ever seen, bigger than any Air Force hangar you ever saw. I mean, just monster. And I said, what the heck is that? It encompassed the whole downtown area. And he said, oh, that's the old clothes shoe factory that used to be the center for economic activity up there, see? Uh. And what it is, though, is all those little towns up there have like the shell of what used to be a real booming area. And what happened was in that time, the first way this started was was the move of industry away from the north to the south to escape unions. And that hasn't satisfied them, so they're making the move to, you know, move to Mexico. All right. So, you know, I've got nothing against Latins, but, I mean, we're getting beat from both ends. They're coming over here trying to steal what jobs are available. And then we're moving whole factories over there and everywhere else, China and everywhere True. else, just yeah. to say. I mean, Heidi, I, that, you know, you weren't on, I don't think, with us on with Paul Eno, I don't think. Oh, yeah, you were. Yeah, Partly, you were. yeah. Mm-hmm. But but what I'm saying is, uh, he and I talked, and when we were younger, you could get a job as long as you could zip up your zipper and didn't, you know, butt your shirt wrong. <laughs> you you could get a job, you know, as long as you weren't, you know, silly. In other words, right. And and if you had anything on the ball, you could really do well. But now, oh Heidi, oh my God, right. uh, Ken rough. Cherry. I, Ken Cherry doesn't mind me mentioning this because it isn't even his kid. But Ken Cherry's son has a buddy that was like summa cum laude graduate hmm. from one of the schools in engineering. Took him two years to find a job. Good Lord. 
Not and, you know, surprising. He, Not but he surprising. pressed him. He pressed him. He says, now, look, let's cut the BS. I mean, you don't have to give me a job, but what is the deal? I'm a summa cum laude graduate. I'm not just the average guy. Right. Uh, and engineering's not just, you know, like social studies or something. Okay. <laughs> what is the deal? And he finally got him to admit that what the deal is, and your, your little Obama's big time in this, is they're giving a million lifetime work permits out per year to bring Indian engineering students here, graduates here, with the, with the big lie that there's not enough uh, technical grads here, which is a dirty lie. It's just to save money, Heidi, just like the bakery. Well, but That's you know what? It happens uh, in the nursing industry. The, the you know, I'm a oh, therapist, yeah. occupational therapist, and it's the Philippines filling in all the physical therapy oh, yeah. uh, and nursing, uh, air, you know, jobs. So the decline. Oh, I of know it's not isolated. In, it's not isolated yeah. in just one area, but it's yeah. a dirty lie. They no yeah. more need more engineering students here than they need more gravel. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But it's just a way to sell out the American worker. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand why it's ongoing. I, I just, I mean, they see the decline in job placement. I don't understand why it's still being allowed it's, to go. It's all this. somebody behind the scenes is funneling money because it's industries want to pay nothing. Cheaper so they labor, that's for sure. Huge, huge. It, it's all to labor. encourage slave labor, Heidi. That's yeah. all it really is. Well, well like my friends that are therapists that come here and that are sponsored, if they work for a certain amount of years for pennies as therapists, right. they are sponsored to become residents, you know, citizens here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if you're a good slave, they'll let you stay and be a good slave for a longer period. That's that's true. But. <laughs> But, I mean, it used to be that just a working guy could support a family, maybe not in grand style, but he could keep a roof over their head. Right. Hell, Heidi, I was in Barnes Noble at a coffee break today, and I saw uh, the local, some local Texas mag had the tuitions, and my God. Bottom line, everybody being in the hock for hundred grand, no matter whether the degree was worth anything or not. Mm. And upwards of hundred grand, depending on where you went. Wow. So, but I mean, there was one study recently. Well, we'll worry about that later. Let's go to our break, and we'll, we'll be right back with the Ramses. You're listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Remember, you can take your Inception Radio shows on the go. Just download the Inception Radio Network app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android smartphones and access live shows, past shows, guest lineups, and much more. Just visit the iTunes Store or the Google Play Marketplace and download it today for free. Don't have a computer? Is your internet connection down? Don't worry. Use your trusty cell phone or landline and call into our listen line at 401-283-6700 to listen to the Inception Radio Network 24-7. Again, that call-in number is 401-283-6700. For the Inception Radio Network, I am MJ. You didn't forget what's coming up tonight, did you? Hi, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Never miss that interview you were looking forward to or the show on your favorite topic. Follow IRN on Twitter. 
I underscore R underscore N and get reminders about the evening's live shows as well as fun and important updates throughout the week. That's I underscore R underscore N and never miss a great show again. Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. Heidi Hollis, and we've got the guests, uh, Suzanne Ramsey and Scott Ramsey on with us, and they're the authors of the Aztec UFO incident, and very interested in that. Uh, I guess, oh, I should also mention Dr. Frank Thayer is also a co-author of the Aztec UFO incident. So how are you, uh, Ramsey's doing there? (laughs) We're doing fine. Uh, It's a little uh, wet and soggy down here in North Carolina, but uh, it'll be drying out. Oh, then what part of North Carolina is it? We're in the little town of Mooresville, North Carolina. We're about 30 miles north, due north of Charlotte. Oh, that's a perfect place. That's, that's yeah, lovely. Yeah, real nice. Oh, yeah, it makes a lot of places look like dung. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, – did you get a lot of snow, or is it just uh, this rain in that area? Well, that doesn't take a lot of snow to shut down North Carolina. We got uh, about a half inch of freezing uh, rain to turn to ice. Yeah. And then, uh, depending on where you are, we're we're north of the city, up by the lake, out in the country, and we got about four and a half inches of snow on top of the ice. Well, now that is a lot there for there. Well, Cause for I, here, you know, yeah. Because I'm mostly a Floridian, but I lived in Atlanta a lot, and it almost never snowed there. But I mean, it got tremendous ice storms. It did yeah. get that. Yeah, we uh, normally get more ice than we do snow. But, oh, yeah, we're dealing with it, and yeah, we we just 
you know, didn't go anywhere for four days until they got snow plows down here from Virginia and cleaned off the road. All righty, all righty. Well, actually, you know, uh, of course, everybody is more familiar with the Roswell UFO incident from 47, but Mm -hmm. uh, this Aztec one sounds like it has a lot of merit in itself. Uh, What, uh, let's see, where did it occur in... uh, March twenty fifth, nineteen forty eight. Actually, it was it, two things about Aztec. It was the first flying saucer crash that uh, made the news. Uh, well, oh. that Roswell did. Right. And the first hardback uh, UFO book ever written was written about the Aztec crash. Oh, really? When when the uh, Aztec first book came out, it was called Behind the Flying Saucers, written by Frank Scully. It uh, Roswell was already happened and been blown off as being a weather balloon. The the public had forgot about it. So this one really was in the spotlight, you know, for quite a while. And then, well, yeah. And what ahead. what area did it? What what uh, was it? Was it Arizona or New Mexico? In four corners of New Mexico, eleven and a half miles, roughly northeast of the town of Aztec. Oh, okay. Out well, in a very rough terrain. That New Mexico is just an intriguing little place, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. Uh, Heidi, have you ever been there? Uh, which part? Down to... Well, I, I don't necessarily mean where the uh, the incident occurred, but I mean New Mexico, much much at all. You've done any traveling through there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I haven't gone over there recently. It's been a while, actually, because uh, my whole incidence is with this head not being connected and all so <laughs> oh yeah i understand well Such no my life <laughs> my my evil ex-brother-in-law and i used to go through new mexico a lot to go gamble in vegas and uh oh really my and, goodness uh, well you know we used to play poker at you know casinos and card rooms and stuff and <laughs> you uh, know for the the discovery channel um pilot that i worked on uh, we went down to the crash site and did a show, an episode from there. That was our first episode, and uh, it, was, it was it was interesting. I never thought I'd I'd get to walk on the land, but I and did. And you were uh, down in Roswell. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah, the whole state's very beautiful. Uh, we enjoy yeah. going out there, and uh, we've a lot of friends, a lot of family. Uh, I'd met Suzanne out there, and we. Oh, really. Yeah, that's how I met Suzanne. She had a radio show like you folks have, and she had me on her show talking about the research that I was doing on on uh, Aztec. Oh, how and, cool! That's very good. Yeah, we met, and uh, so we we still have reasons to go back. We have uh, mother-in-law there, and brother-in-laws, and nieces, and nephews, and uh, the whole. Oh, Angelata. that's that's excellent. Good deal. Mm-hmm. What got you interested in the whole topic? I, I know we've chatted before. It, it's funny; not many people realize, like, "Oh, Heidi, you were in Wisconsin," but you remembered. <laughs> so yeah, I did. I said, "Wait, we swapped emails." But you, you, you emailed me years ago on yeah. some questions on Aztec. Ah. But uh, I heard about it back in uh, the late eighties, mm-hmm. and I was out there on a business trip in the town next to it, which is Farmington. And uh, we were testing a big generator one night, and two guys were talking about what they were going to do for the weekend. And one said, well, I'm going to go out on Hart Canyon Road and look for a good place to hunt mule deer. Mm. 
And the other fellow said, uh, whereabouts? Maybe I'll meet you out there. And I didn't know these guys. This was my first time working with them on a project. And they said, well, out by the old crash site. And we're testing this generator pretty late into the evening. And I said, hey, what, 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 what crashed out there? And they said, oh, it's just, you know, old, old wives' tale from years ago about a flying saucer crashed, late 40s, early 50s, you know. And after we got done testing, it was Friday night, I was staying at the Holiday Inn. I said, hey, if I entice you guys over for a, a beer, we worked hard all day. I want to hear more about this crash site. And they kind of, we went over and had a cold beer, and they drew on a bar napkin kind of a rough map about, well, when you get to Aztec, take 550 north. And if you're heading up towards Cedar Hill, there'll be an old dirt road off to your right. Follow that out, but we probably wouldn't recommend you doing it in the rental car you're in. It's pretty rough terrain. But I decided the next, my flight wasn't until Monday, so I decided to go out and see if I could find the place. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I found Heart Canyon Road and went out there. And, of course, I hate to say it, but all those mesas look alike. <laughs> oh, and yeah. it's miles and miles and miles of flat mesas. <laughs> and uh, so I was coming back out in about another six weeks. This time, uh, Hertz at the Farmington Airport was kind enough to rent me on the very nice high ground clearance four-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I was done with my work week on Friday and had my return flight on Sunday afternoon. That's that gave me plenty of time to go out and cause trouble. And this time I was pretty sure from more details they gave me that I'd found the spot. And I was going out there about every six, seven weeks. And uh, every time I'd go out, I'd start probing and asking more people about it. As we say in the book, you know, you, you find about a third of the people that uh, say, yeah, it's absolutely happened. It was hushed up by the military, and people were threatened. And oh, yeah. another, another third of the people say, nah, it's an old wives' tale. It's nothing to it. <laughs> and then you get another, the other third say, who cares? <laughs> they have no, they have no <laughs> interest, you know. Wow. I don't see how anybody you know, could take it so I know how people act like that, but I, I don't see if aliens hopping and bopping around and crashing, you'd have to be some interested unless you're just a complete deadhead. Yeah. I mean, I know people, I know people react like that, but it's just yeah, they do. Yeah, hard I mean, to grasp. You know, and uh, so, you know, what happened over time was we just we kept finding more positive things uh, that made sense that they were uh, that it possibly happened, and that just made uh made me kind of keep going sure wow this is fascinating i'm I'm looking at uh uh some of the, the the reviews i mean you've got great reviews and you just put this book out my goodness uh yeah it's, it's been very well received career press new page books uh is the publisher uh it's our second book we had a book come out thayer uh, suzanne and i in 2012 it was self-published. We only did a thousand books, and that was the Aztec incident. Yeah. And, uh, and then we waited. Yeah, we 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 never quit researching the the, the thing. I mean, it's in our blood. <laughs> and between 2012 and 2014, we got a lot of exciting leads from people that read the book and said, "Hey, you need to talk to, to this guy." Or oh, really? You know, we're we're pretty accessible people, and. Uh, and we were contacted by people that said, hey, I, I know more to the story. Ironically, uh, week before last, we got contacted by a gentleman that said, hey, I can fill in a whole bunch of blanks. <laughs> he was a civilian uh, 
contractor at a Air Force base. And uh, he's 85 years old, gave us a lot of good information, and so far, everything he has told us has turned up, it, w- it was verifiable. Such what as kind of things did he tell with, you? I mean, what kind of leads did he give you, kind of? Uh, he what? added two more, and he has not read any book. He heard us okay. on a radio show and said, uh-huh. I, uh, and, and one other article he read somewhere, um, he said, I'm going to give you two other scientists that worked on the project. And he said, we knew of them because we worked at the same Air Force base. Wow. So I checked, and both these scientists did work at the Air Force base in the two-year time frame that uh, he claims they did. So everything just checked. Well, you know, this is it's a separate aside about the Roswell thing, but similarly, I, I ran across a guy. I called him Air Force Jim. I forget what his full name was, but... He uh, was a retired Air Force sergeant type. I just met around Texas here, and uh, he was pretty old fella. I mean, uh, he's still bopping around now. He's uh, originally from upstate New York. How he got here, I don't know. But but anyhow, he knew people from uh, Roswell uh, that you know were on the crash site at, mm. at the Roswell situation, and he said from the Air Force people he knew confirmed that, it, you know, no matter what the official story was, it was absolutely aliens, don't BS yourself, it was, take it to the bank, the government's full of more uh, BS than you could count, and, uh, but I mean, in other words, that's kind of a, I know it's kind of lead you might get, kind of a secondary Brown Robin Hood's barn thing, but he knew firsthand people that were on the scene at Roswell during the, the event that, right. yes, it was real. And that that does have merit to me, too. Yeah. Well, when an 85-year-old guy that's very hard to see calls you with his wife sitting next to him, they were already married uh, when this all took place. And uh, this was 1958, by the way. The story he was telling was 10 years after the Aztec uh, flying saucer was recovered. Yeah. And uh, he's telling me who was at the base, what year the building was built that the the saucer was in. Mm. And uh, you know, all this stuff is verifiable, but if you're going to make up a story at 85 years of age or any age, you're probably not going to go into the detail he went into. No, no. And, you know, he said, here's the building, you know, look on a map. I haven't been there since 1960. Uh, here's what it was put in. He was a out. I couldn't. We don't have enough time in the show to tell you the whole story. But anyway, the company he worked for as a civilian was installing specific equipment in the building, and that's how he knew when it was built and whatnot. But you know, it, it, we've been really blessed with getting a lot of good, credible leads over the years. We work very hard at it. Thayer does. Uh, Suzanne and I both do. We have other people. Bill Steinman who wrote the second book on, it was called UFO Crash at Aztec. Um, he's been a dear friend of mine for years. He got very active this past May, all the way up until the book being published, and he's actually called me tonight once since I shut my cell phone off. <laughs> and he, you know, he did, he and Wendell Stevens, well, Wendell really didn't do that much research, but Bill did a tremendous amount of research. Um, there's been... Numerous books, I'll just run them down for your readers. The, the first book was written by Frank Scully, Behind the Flying Saucers, 
1950, September, came out. Did, it went to write to a bestseller, 64,000 copies, first print. Wow. The uh, second book, Bill Steinman, uh, uh, UFO Crash at Aztec, self-published, kind of like our book, 1,000 copies, they're hard to get, excellent book. Third book was written by uh, William Ogden, and it was never published. As a matter of fact, before Ogden died, he sent the manuscript to Bill Steinman. It's an amazing book. Really? Absolutely amazing. And, and Steinman found it after he moved and said, I forgot I had this. I'm going to send it to you. Read it. Oh. And uh, you, you, the same conclusions we come to in 2012 and 2015, Ogden came to, to those conclusions in 1960. Oh. And then Chris Evans' book came out in 2004. Half of his book, Alien Conspiracy, uh, was ded dedicated primarily to Aztec. Chris did a fantastic job on his research. So, and then our our new book is out, and we've worked. So there's been a lot of effort on this. There's been a lot of spade work done. Twenty nine years of research in that book. Right. Well, that's that's really incredible. That's really incredible. That Sounds really like is. you've got another book in you because you're getting more and more information as time goes by. <laughs> we had that conversation already. There's a lot of work going into putting a, a book together. Yeah. Oh, it's gruesome. That's a lot of gruesome. work. Truly. A lot of work. I've only done one, and that's all I'll ever do. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, unless you're Tom Clancy, it's... it's uh, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, Heidi Hollis, she knocks out books like over lunch uh, breaks, but uh, <laughs> I can't Only did that. that once. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we're coming right up to our uh, our half-hour break, uh, but uh, do you have a website we might mention just briefly before the break? Or Yes, we do. It's uh, I'm gonna, i got to look at Suzanne to make sure I do this right. The website is www.theaztecufoincident, or just, no, the, the Aztec Incident. www.theaztecincident.com. It is under construction right now because the book came out a little earlier than we thought, and that was good news. I would think the website should be up mid-next mid week at the latest, and you can buy a book from there or through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Excellent. Well, let's go to our, our uh, bottom-of-the-hour break. We'll be back in just a few. Very good. Listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. Illinois. Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Remember, you can take your Inception Radio shows on the go. Just download the Inception Radio Network app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android smartphones and access live shows, past shows, guest lineups, and much more. Just visit the iTunes Store or the Google Play Marketplace and download it today for free. Don't have a computer? Is your internet connection down? Don't worry. Use your trusty cell phone or landline and call into our listen line at 401-283-6700 to listen to the Inception Radio Network 24-7. Again, that call-in number is 401-283-6700. For the Inception Radio Network, I am MJ. Thank you. 
great to be back with Heidi and Scott and Suzanne, uh, I'm thinking. Depends on how our connections are going right now. But, uh, uh, well, Heidi, this is some interesting stuff here. I mean, this is some well-documented 30, 40 years worth of, 50 years worth of slaving over the details of this. Yeah, uh, truly. It, you know, I'm curious. You know, I'm always like, uh, you know, UFOs, they're, they're cool and everything, the engineering and all that. But I always dig aliens the description of the bodies you know what were these things you know what was discovered what are people saying oh you're asking me that i'm sorry yeah. i thought that's what you're saying i'm sorry oh um, yeah yeah well it's it is exciting and um there were 16 bodies that w- were found and 16 uh, you said 16 yeah holy There's smokes. kind of a lead up let me if you don't mind would it be okay if i just kind of walked you through please the event? sure sure okay okay because i think that that just brings you to the edge it, it for it does for us anyway um it was uh, there had been in around los alamos new mexico which people are very familiar with that town as well as cuba new mexico there had been sightings for several months of everything from orbs to uh, structured craft, all different sizes. Um, It was very interesting. They brought in scientists to take a look and try and figure out what it was. And then on this particular, and there were people in the whole area had had seen them and um, couldn't figure out what was going on. And on this particular night before the event, a police officer was um, doing his run back and forth from Farmington to an Aztec to the Cuba, New Mexico. And um, it was, uh, how, at that time, how long was it, honey? About 100, Cuba, about 100 miles in between Cuba and, and um, an Aztec. And he would do that run back and forth as a police officer in his vehicle. And that particular night, he was out on the highway, not the highways that we know today, but the highway then. And he saw this craft, and it seemed to be fluttering and struggling. He followed it through the night. And, you know, if you've ever been to New Mexico, it was windy roads. They're better now, but it was windy roads. And as he got up to the Bloomfield and Aztec area, he lost it briefly. He couldn't see it visually and uh, because there were... Um, bluffs and cliffs about this time now it's just about five o'clock in the morning and there is a um, gentleman who was a goat rancher and he was a survivor of the baton death march so he's a very credible person he got up and he walked out to let his uh, goats out of the pen at about five in the morning and he gets to the pen and he hears this what he described as like a sonic boom and then he looked up and here is this enormous craft and it hits and scrapes um, a bluff near his house and sparks fly and then it seemed to appear to go north so they didn't have phones right at his house so he had to walk a little ways and and he called the Air Force Base Kirtland down in Albuquerque and let them know. He said, "You've been, you know, we've heard all these things about crafts and about uh, flying saucers and things. I just saw one of those damn things." And he had to call a couple times, and we're not sure if they didn't believe him or if they were acting on it and just you know, 
didn't get back to him. But it was a phone at a general store that he used. So meanwhile, the craft continues, and it ends up on top of this bluff, uh, a mesa. If you're not familiar, that means like a tabletop of a mountain um, yep. in near Aztec. So the next people that come upon it, there uh, are two oil field workers, and they get a call, and they hear that there is a fire out in that area, and that instead of doing their normal route, they need to run out to Hart Canyon Road. So they get their vehicle, and they head on out. And when they get there, there are other oil field workers there. And the other oil field workers say, don't worry about the fire. It's in a different direction. It's non-related. But wait till you see what's up on the bluff. So they all hike up (laughs) on top of the the bluff, the mesa. And when they get there, here's a a 100-foot craft, perfectly intact. Wow. And now keep in mind, this is 1948 rural, rural New Mexico. Honestly, the roads today are unimproved roads. So you can only imagine how rough they were. And you're out in the sand, sand, uh, sagebrush. And, and sure. so they, they go up to the craft, and there are several people there. There are Mr. and Mrs. Knight. There are some ranchers from the area. There's um, another police officer. The police officer that we were talking about earlier, he arrives. There is a county commissioner. There, um, I'm trying to think of, I missed somebody. Anyway, there's a group of people up there, and so the oil field workers, they're young guys, and they start crawling around on top of the craft. And when they approached it, it was like a brushed silver. There were no seams, no rivets, nothing of that sort. And there were three gold rings on it. And they approached it, and they started climbing around, and, and the, um, the ranchers got very upset and said, get off there, get off there, you don't even know what that is. Well, they assumed that it was a craft. They didn't really think that it was from another world. They thought possibly it was something from you know, our government, and they were concerned and wanted to go in and see if they could rescue or help, you know, what happened. So they start looking around, and they couldn't see any any windows or anything until they got very, very close. And then you saw portholes that had like a reflective glass on it, like the old uh, highway patrolman sunglasses. Mm, okay. And there was, they found one tiny hole about the size of a quarter. And that was it in the whole thing. So one of them ran down and got a pole off of their truck and started probing around in there. And it, they must have pushed a lever or something because a staircase came down. Come on. No, wow. And That's so funny. they looked, and from where they were at, it was three levels high, 18 feet high. They, they could see two slumped over bodies over in some chairs and in a panel. And um, then about that time is when the military started coming in and took them off of the craft and started, uh, you know, asking them questions and then swearing them to secrecy and, and, you know, pretty firmly. Now, what happens a little bit later, I think, is is really remarkable, too. We have a minister that is traveling, a Baptist minister that is traveling between Aztec and Mancus, Colorado. And he goes past Hart Canyon Road, and he sees a lot of traffic happening back and forth and is wondering what's happening. 
and he's a traveling minister, and and he thought, you know, if there's been an accident or something, maybe I could help. So he goes down the road, and he gets there. And when he, now the other witnesses are now moving on, and they take him over, and they've now removed all the bodies, and there's 16 of them laid out on the ground. Hmm. And when he sees them, they ask him to say prayers over them. They're all dead. They And you asked me this, Heidi, I'm getting to your question now, but I think it's a yeah. good information to have. Oh, yeah. A little bit of preface of that. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, is that the bodies were um, childlike, human, but childlike. Perfect teeth. They were between three and four feet tall. Their bodies were charred as if they had been burned. Hmm. And they all had the same uniform, bluish uniform on, and there was no differentiation between the uniforms, like maybe a rank or something. There was nothing there. Now, the minister says the prayers, gets back in his vehicle, and drives back up to Mancus, Colorado. He gets home, and he's so shook up, he calls some of the parishioners that he feels really close to. And he gathers them in a room, and he says, I have to tell you something that I saw tonight. And he just breaks down and cries and, and tells them it shook him up so bad. We were grateful to meet one of the witnesses, and it was a, a child that was there mm, and witnessed cool. his, his minister, you know, go through this and how how wow. upset he was. So there, the thing that I I love about this is that okay, it's taken 29 years, <laughs> but is that we can we can document the pre-flight what happened the witnesses, the follow-up, the scientists that worked on it, and how it was covered up every step of the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm amazed with the detail that you're giving. I'm like, wow, this is... Yeah, this is thorough, yeah. It is, yeah, that's it is. a lot. It's like, how how did this not hit the newspapers? You know, Roswell did. Jeez. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying, though, is unlike... Um, you know, someone having a sighting, which is important, or someone having an experience, that's important. All these things are important, but this case is so remarkably different because, although, again, it's taken 29 and a half years, we've been able to track and document and can prove every single thing we're saying, or we can't, or we didn't put it in the book. I mean, you know, there is other stuff we could have put in, but... um, we really make every effort. If there's something that we can't prove and we just have that thought or somebody asks our opinion, to make that really, really clear that it's just our opinion. Because um, this this is really, we really want this to be a documentation of history. Right. Sure. Oh, you did. It sounds like you did a great job, and uh, that's that's excellent. I mean, in a way, it's, it's far, far, far superior to the Roswell uh, stories. <laughs> well, yeah. But, but think Wait, about this. I don't think they planned on, you know, at the time, having, um, you know, an Aztec, really it shouldn't be that we could track it as well as we should compared to Roswell. I guess I I should say that they were able to hide it better because they had the experience of Roswell and they learned from it, you know. Oh, okay. My goodness. So when you said that these these beings were human 
Noid. I mean, were did they look just like little people? I mean, did he describe anything different about them besides their small stature? They said that they were small, childlike, and human, human-like, and human. So they just there was nothing that like the there were no big eyes and no. Wow. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the. Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Um, that is. That's really, that's very um, different than what you generally hear. I mean, does it does it compare to any modern day... Uh, aliens that have been described before? You know, I don't know. I've heard bits and pieces of, of other experiences, but, you know, I mean, other, other incidences, but I, you know, I don't know, you know, of, of them being human, but, um, but right. these were small in stature, you know, right. really small. So um, I don't know, but it, it does kind of tell you that there's a lot going on out there, doesn't it? Truly. It sure doesn't sound like the Greys, Heidi. It sure doesn't sound no, like No, it doesn't. And it's like, you know, if they were bald head, I'm sure he would have said they had no hair, you right. know. But they, apparently they just look like itty-bitty people. Probably probably your Irish uh, leprechauns there, Kevin. <laughs> probably about that. That sounds about right. But <laughs> well, but I love the fact that they had perfect teeth. I think that's really interesting. They made a significant statement of making perfect teeth. Yeah. It makes you wonder what happened. They were charred, but the the people that walked in didn't describe the interior being, you know, burnt or destroyed, and and everything was intact on the outside. So it makes you wonder what happened. You know, there's several theories, and and that we can't prove, but you know, it, it would make one wonder if it wasn't like a pressurization you know that it came down real fast and and or or something that it i don't know or maybe there's a reason why these are the first aliens to be described like this these guys never came back and the rest of them said to heck with that that oxygen is potent (laughs) i'm out of here maybe maybe (laughs) but we saw something really interesting two things that i think were really significant that that um that kind of stand out one is that from aerial views that we found out on our last trip, we actually were able to find where the craft scraped the bluff. It's oh, really? There. Oh, and and um, from that point where it scraped and bounced off from where to where it landed is exact due north. And it makes, and now this is a theory, but it, it does make you wonder if, it, they didn't have it on some type of a autopilot or something along the lines of that. But now keep in mind in the, in the U.S. that the witnesses that, that saw this, when the helicopter came, the military, military helicopter came, they had never seen a helicopter. And their comment was, we didn't know which was more magnificent, whether it was the helicopter or the craft, because we'd never seen either one of them before. So it's a very different world then. You know, today, of course, if we saw a helicopter, we're very accustomed to it. And we go, oh, that's cool, but that would be it. And so um, that was one thing. And then another thing is when they 
on the crash site when they cleaned it up, and there's a whole section on the book on that, but when they cleaned it up and they there were trees that were knocked down, um, pinion trees and, and bushes and things, when they replanted, they planted them <laughs> in straight lines. And um, anybody that's or that that knows anything about nature, nature does not grow in straight lines. It grows no, not hardly, organically, no. random. Sure. And so, and that part on the ground, we never saw until we took an aerial view and went, "Holy cats! Check it out!" So that was that was kind of a neat point too. So as clear as crystal, they were just trying to you know cover up the the whole format there. Yep, trying to make what... it look like it. Originally. Never happened, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Got a couple of questions in the chat room. Uh, Bonnie is asking what exactly the craft looked like and what the material looked like that these beings were wearing. The craft looked like um, it was 100 foot in diameter. It was brushed silver, and it, um, it had three gold rings on it. Three gold, and, like like how? Where were the three gold rings? It, what what was the shape? Saucer shaped or? Yes, the the top was a little bigger than the bottom, so there was there was a round ring, you know, for the for the main part of the craft, traditional saucer, mm. lack of a better thing, but the bottom pocket was a little smaller than the top pocket, and then um, there was three gold rings around the craft, and then. Um, what was the other question? I'm sorry. Uh, what the uniforms, like what the material looked like that the beings were wearing. They were jumpsuits. That's how they were described as jumpsuits. Okay. Looked like jumpsuits. Interesting. And none of the, the people that were hanging around this craft, like there was no reports of illnesses, you know, from radiation poisoning or anything? We We never heard anything about the witnesses at the actual craft site. Hmm. However, people that worked on it later, we did, we did hear that. Oh, I do tell. You mean like you're speaking of the military? Mm-hmm. There were some of the scientists got sick. Oh, okay. Wow. So, and I don't know how to explain the difference there, but that that clearly was. So, like a radiation type illness. I mean, it's something that I've I've heard. Um, you know, from other witnesses that got just a little too close to crafts. And, uh, but it's fascinating that it was the scientists, but the witnesses were okay, even though they were crawling all over it. Right. And I don't know, you know, one could say, well, were they on it long enough? Or, you know, I don't, I don't have time frames there. So, so yeah. I, you know, I can't speak to that. Were the scientists in there too long? Or, you know, I, I don't know any of that. But, hmm. um, any word on seeing this giant craft being moved by the government? Well, let me just step back for a second. As mm-hmm. husband-wife team, my husband <laughs> came to me one day <laughs> and said, you know, we've, we've paid for all of this out of our pocket, all the research. Oh, really? And, and over $500,000. And so, Oh, my goodness. Goodness. Yeah, yeah, we're, you know, it's not that, that I guess you could say that that's our, has been our hobby. But anyway, well, I guess. <clears throat> anyway, in over twenty and a half, twenty nine and a half years, that's you know. But um, he came to me at one point. We were writing the first book, and and Scott sat down and he said, "Well, you know, hon, we've covered everything. Anything that a skeptic could cover, or or you know, drop at us, we've tried to go and 
dissect and document. Uh huh. I knew something was coming. <laughs> and he says, you know, I really think we need to go through and reenact moving the craft. And I just looked at him and I said, really? <laughs> do we really need to do that? How would but you do was, that, though? He was absolutely right. Well, what happened was we, we hired someone, and any expert that we've hired to do any analysis or anything, we made sure that they either didn't know what the project was or that they had were not um, big fans of, of UFOs. Um, so we weren't oh. looking for people to support us. We were looking for documentation. And sure. we hired... Um, one of the leading experts in moving um, high and wide crafts and in, the, in the world. And we brought him in and traveled out there with him. And in, uh, we know that the craft was taken apart in three pieces. Mm. And so that wow. made it more manageable. We know the type of vehicle that it was moved out on. It was a dragon wagon. And so what we did was take the pieces and, in other words, put them uh, theoretically, on a dragon wagon, and then recreated the, and traveled the roads that it were in existence at that time out of there and saw if we could do it. Now, there were places that it was <laughs> like three, four inches. That's how close it was. But but you, we were able to make it. And um, that's that's how we we addressed that was, was total reenactment. It took you know, us three days to do it. You Good guys are point. seriously dedicated. <laughs> well, I've never heard of anybody going to that kind of effort. I mean, actually All to right. replicate the movement of the craft, that was really something. To transport the space shuttle through L.A., a bunch of trees had to sacrifice their lives, for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, I can't imagine you reenacting this thing. And And I'm looking at your book cover, and it shows... Very much like, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but, you know, the X-Files has been relaunched. And oh, yeah. uh, at the Grove in Los Angeles, which is a very popular mall, they put a, a UFO saucer and had hazmat guys walking around spraying it, uh, you know, as a as a marketing thing for, uh, for X-Files. And I am not kidding you when I say this UFO that's on the cover of your book looks just like the UFO that they put smack dab in the middle of the grove. You should look it up, the, the really? UFO that they, that they put, yeah, that, hmm. they, that they put in uh, the middle of, of Los Angeles to highlight the X-Files. That's, well, that's wild. And, and I, will, I do want to clarify something. On the, cover, the cover, on the cover of the book is, is a craft, and it looks a little different than that. And we have inside of the book the... Um, the actual layout and size and, and oh. dimensions and stuff. And nice. So, um, was was it on its side like it shows on the cover? It wasn't it was, linked. It was tilted. Yeah. It tilted. was tilted like this, so it was kind of like wedged into the ground. I see. Were there any ever any pictures uh, secreted away or anything like that or any photos? Say that again, Kevin. I'm sorry. Were there any photos that were secreted? The military didn't put the grabs on, or? Well, there were. There were pieces of the craft that were taken by people, and then there were pictures that were taken, and um, some of them did get out of there. We have never seen them. Um, oh. I'll pay a nickel to anybody that can provide me because <laughs> I would love to see them. But uh, sure. but we do know people that have um, um, definitely. They and we talked to a military person that 
that actually they came over his desk. So, wow, that's wild. Interesting. It's it's a really cool story. I'm looking at this. Are you guys? I'm sorry. This has to be made into a movie at some point. I mean, please tell me that you're thinking about it. <laughs> you know, I, I I love writing, and and it does seem like it lends itself because it is a full circle, and so that's something that I've been kind of working on a little bit. Um, well, I'd hope so. Greedy buzzard that I am, I'd want my half million back after, <laughs> after all those years. It doesn't seem unfair to get it back. Yeah. You know, uh, go ahead, Heidi, we're just coming up to the break mm-hmm. pretty soon at the top of the hour. You might, uh, oh, I guess we might mention the website once again and the book format. And sure. where we're, we're, on, we're on Facebook, and, and we welcome you. We try and put posts of on Facebook of and Twitter of of the surrounding area and information and details and we've got a picture on there of of the the police officer's truck that he drove it's a mormon harrington that exact one we know it that was the one that drove out there and and oh. we just try and put fun stuff on those two things the website is www.theaztecincident.com and um you can pick it up at barnes and noble or uh amazon or or bookstores Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, Heidi, you know, I guess uh, we're going to have to go up to the top of the hour break in just a minute. But uh, Scott Scott and Susan, hang on with us. And there's a lot more to ask about this. This is uh, it's just obviously, obviously our government's got their thumb on everything we do. It's (laughs) I was was glad to see the X-Files come back. And uh, I guess that was fun. We watched it the other night. It was fun, wasn't it? Oh, oh God. Was. And, and they mentioned break. Aztec twice in it. <laughs> uh, oh, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> You're listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. Are you looking for a cure for boredom? Never worry. IRN's new interactive website introduces a number of ways to pass time while you listen to your favorite show. Choose anything from the IRN chat lounge, the game lounge, video lounge, or the mood lounge. These fun, exciting features let you chat in real time with fellow listeners, view live sky watches, play daily posted online games, or pick a show based on topic. The choices are endless. Use your time wisely by keeping it all on IRN. Don't have a computer? Is your internet connection down? Don't worry. Use your trusty cell phone or landline and call into our listen line at 401-283-6700 to listen to the Inception Radio Network 24-7. Again, that call-in number is 401-283-6700. For the Inception Radio Network, I am MJ. This is MJ saying hello and sharing an awesome secret I discovered. It's called DreamNuage.com. Fresh, raw, organic ingredients are used to create all their products. They are made in very small batches to ensure quality and freshness. Handmade in the USA, each product is created with care and with the finest organic ingredients. There are no preservatives, dyes, or chemicals in any product. Stop by Dream Nuage and relax. That's D R E A M 
N-U-A-G-E.com. Simple, raw, organic. and Scott and Suzanne and uh, this is a heck of a story I really have to take my hat off to you guys for the the incredible effort and meticulous work you've done on you know recreating this circumstance I mean uh, frankly it's far more than I would have done but uh, we appreciate that I'd like to make a correction in something I said earlier I was talking about the people that were responsible for the first book I did leave out Frank uh, Frank Warren from the UFO Chronicles, and I did not mean to do that. I've got the new book in front of me that he wasn't part of, but he worked very, very hard on the research on the first book, and uh, oh my goodness. I didn't want to leave him out. But there's been a lot of people uh, in this book. Uh, Mike Price, he's an aviation historian. He jumped in and helped. and So I, we're, we're kind of the ringleaders, but, boy, we have a good team of people behind us. No, it yeah. sounds like, I mean, it sounds like it's uh, unparalleled research. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, of course, my exposure, Heidi's the UFO gal. I'm more of the, into other kinds of uh, paranormal issues. Mm-hmm. But, Angry uh, Russian, that's what he is. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, half Russian, half Irish. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, my, you know, of course, Heidi's a Protestant, and uh, I've had some actual religious experiences. Well, now she's had them too, I guess, in fairness. <laughs> but uh, but she's also uh, aliens just hang out at her place like it's a, oh, come on. a star bar or something like that. Jeez. Good lord! But but the one thing I did have, uh, Scott, that was kind of amusing is I was coming back from Alabama on a sales trip back in the seventies when I first got out of the army and uh, just a kid and. Uh, I saw a action coming into you know northwest Atlanta, and I saw this a saucer being flanked by three Dobbins or Air Force Base jets, and uh, my ex-wife was oh hanging with me on this sales trip because I kept her out of mischief or something, and uh, we both saw it, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was a check on my own sanity, if you will, but and. Uh, Okay, what happened was, of course, I came home and I called the, not knowing what else to do, I called the Air Force Base. They said, oh, thank you very much. Have a beer on me or something. Get lost. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. And uh, and then, oh, I called uh, the te- television station, got the same kind of response. 
But I was vindicated because the next day there was a uh, big old, uh, you know, banner, you know, large type banner in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that, uh, you know, uh, Northwest Atlanta UFO experience or something like that. But what it is, is they, they tried to say it was an advertising plane. Of course. And, and the only saucer-shaped advertising plane I've ever seen, and the only one that was able to enlist the uh, three Dobbins Air Force Base jets escorting it, I mean, uh, it must have been a... And they, said it was, they actually said it was a barbecue house they were advertising, and I lived right where the thing, oh within a mile gosh. of where I saw it. And believe me, it was not a barbecue house. And, but, they must think they're Jedi Masters. This is not the craft you thought you saw. <laughs> well, that's that's it. The explanations were so bizarre that it was like, of course, you know, I'm kind of feisty, and I was, you know, I swore at him, but it didn't do any good. And uh, what year but was the, that, the teacher, Kevin? What year, when did that happen? That was 1973. Oh wow. Okay. And what happened? What? Well, I'm old, honey. <laughs> but but <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I practically could be a Jedi master, but but what I'm saying is, well, you know, I was also very young too. Right? I was yeah. only 21 years old. Right. But what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, uh, they talk to you, of course, you're like the village idiot. But a hundred thousand people saw that, and I guess what I'm saying, it was obviously it was it was a UFO, but what it was is uh the government gets by with just ignoring this and telling you any kind of baloney answer it wants to. And, uh, and gosh, Scott, I guess, I guess they got by with it in this too. They probably told everybody it was all a bunch of deluded hicks out in the woods or, or something, I guess. Huh? Well, there were several, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. There's several uh, kind of cover stories. I hate to use that word, but uh, explanations, I guess, from the government. Yeah. One, even though they researched this case for years and years. I mean, I, we went through uh, years of Freedom of Information Acts. Uh, I'd go down to Maxwell Air Force Base a week at a time, get in Sunday night, go through the archives Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, till they drag me out kicking and screaming, and then drive back to North Carolina on Saturday. Um, and, they, and by the way, the, the, the people at the Air Force Archives are the most wonderful people to work with. They really well, I wouldn't are. have thought so. Huh. Yeah, you'd think that they'd have a big shield up and say, go away, you crazy UFO people. But <laughs> yeah, if yeah. they can legally let you see or copy the document, they will. That's because and, they're usually the ones in control of all of that UFO well, chatter. <laughs> well, sure. And, but, you know, you keep in mind that there is a legitimate reason of sources, methods, and means. You being in the military, Kevin, you, you remember those old days. That, oh, yeah. You know, if there is a mention in a document of a source, a method, or a means that's currently used today, they can deny it. But yeah. they did release a lot of documents over the years, radar bases and uh, different things of the 8th Air Force Base, different histories. We just got some not too long ago. Um, there's not, they're not denying they didn't look into Aztec. They're just denying that it was not. Any substance, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a hoax. But, I, you know, the Air Force is a very efficient entity. I don't oh. think they would waste that many years on researching Aztec or have files of Aztec for so many years if something didn't happen. Case no. in point, I know, you, Kevin, you haven't read the book yet, have you? Not yet, no. Okay. 
there's a part in there where they set up a sting operation in the Edelweiss bar uh, to purchase back black and white photos of the Aztec in their intelligence report, not a flying saucer, the Aztec flying saucer, uh, which kind of makes you wonder, well, well, how many other flying saucers were there? Or I think the exact words are. <laughs> we, have, we have it in the book, uh, right. the, the flying saucer from Aztec, New Mexico. Um, this keep sting track operation, of these things, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the sting operation consisted of Army Counterintelligence Division, FBI, Air Force, and now possibly CIA. So you've got four governing bodies that don't historically back then even work together well, but it was so important that they buy these photographs back or arrest the individual who's trying to sell them to a reporter. Wow. And, you know, this is years later. This isn't, you know, this is 19, well, I get the documents in the book, 50 or 52. So it, it's, uh, there's, there's just more to it than, oh, yeah, we showed up, uh, it turned out to be nothing, and we turned around and went home. I mean, this is years later that the, the research and investigation by the Air Force is still going on. My goodness. Are you at least pulling together a, a film documentary until you could write the movie script? Because, I mean, you guys got a lot that could go into a documentary. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there's been there's there's a documentary called Aztec 1948. You can buy it through UFO TV. Um, it's it's an old one. Uh, I'm young in the thing. You know, it's 2004. Oh. Okay. Um, uh, we were the History Channel with the UFO files, Hangar 18. Yeah. They devoted part of that show to the Aztec uh, incident. Oh, that's nice. Cool. And Telemundo TV about 2011 uh, did an hour documentary that was you know, obviously not well actually it was, it was shown here in the US it was bilingual both Spanish and English um, yeah that we, we get contacted quite a bit uh, about people wanting to do one but the, the problem we have they always want to sensationalize it yeah and we've we've worked too hard mm-hmm. to do that we've been on Japanese equivalent of uh, 60 minutes Mm. Um, German TV. What were the other ones? Belgium, Finland. So the Aztec crash over the years has had a lot of, a lot of focus on it. But you know, the the big one in the ring is Roswell, and you know, you know, there's. I mentioned before the books written on Aztec. What is it? Five or six? Roswell, a (laughs) hundred, three hundred. I mean, you know how many. But I think we're slowly, you know, we, we've been at this very slow. We have a great group of people with us. Um, we're, we're trying to keep out of the tinfoil hat area. I hate <laughs> to use that word, but that we are. And we try to keep it credible. If we make mistakes, we fix them. If we learn new research, we document it. We, we you know, really work hard at it. And, and to hear it mentioned on X-Files the other night blew me away. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Well, you know, uh <sighs> Were the witnesses and tick and you know interrogated and threatened to keep their yap shut or? or yes, when the military split? showed up, they were all compartmentalized, so to speak, to taken you know one over here and one over there, broken up, and uh, talked to. And, they, and most of the people that were witnesses, other than the two police officers and the Baptist uh, preacher, yeah. uh, were young kids, nineteen, twenty years old. 
Mr. and Mrs. Knight that were ranchers out there at the time. They they were in their senior years. But for the most part, the bulk of the guys were, you know, 19, 20 years old. I, I just find it so difficult to believe that, uh, I mean, there has to be a whole horde of people talking about this. Because even if you're sitting at a table and somebody whispers, so-and-so is pregnant, don't tell anybody or I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, it's gonna get yeah, around gonna that around, table, yeah. you know. And it, this is a big freaking deal. I'm sure people leaked it everywhere, but probably, I mean, are not as forthcoming as they should be, you know, to to make uh, it official on what they saw. But I, it sounds like you guys got a lot of people to cough up the goods, though. Well, and, and it's funny before any documentaries, <clears throat> before any newspaper articles, before any books. Nobody would come forward, and I think <clears throat> when the last book came out in 2012, we went back to the Four Corners and we did a lecture at the Aztec Public Library and the Farmington Public Library, and we showed up with very credible people. We showed up nicely dressed. We did a very uh, sober lecture on our, what our research has found, and I think that made a lot of people feel more comfortable that these are serious people doing serious research and not out running around talking about purple aliens, you know, hiding in the rocks. Um, because there are people that do that. And unfortunately, in, in our field of expertise of ufology, there are people that do that. And that become, that seems to be becoming the norm more than anything else. The get the attention and tell a crazy story. Yeah, but, but I mean, you, even like... A- even like my little petty experience, uh, there's plenty of credible witnesses that saw this blasted thing, and they were all made out to be village idiots. And uh, it's just what the government does. It just uh, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. I'm, Do you have a copy of the book near you too right now? No, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't. Oh, okay, I was going to say that, I was going to direct you to page 16. That's where the the picture of the uh, mesa where the craft allegedly struck it and left a big scar in it. Mm, okay. Hey, are you going to be speaking at any events coming up? We're we're trying right now to put together an event in the Four Corners area. It's just at the planning stages right now for March, where we are trying to get a uh, thing together that we would talk at the Aztec Library and possibly Farmington Library. And then uh, we're going to have a, something special out at the craft site uh, that, that it's, it's too too soon to talk about at this point but uh, we'll let you guys know keep Please looking know. at facebook and we'll keep everybody up to date as to what we're doing that's usually the easiest once we have something you know carved in granite we can put it on facebook and if anybody wants to attend i, I think the the event if we can get everything lined up and do it and I, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt but we're, we're just about there our last break and we'll, we'll be right back okay Listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. Illinois. Don't have a computer? Is your internet connection down? Don't worry. Use your trusty cell phone or landline and call into our listen line at 401-283-6700 to listen to the Inception Radio Network 24-7. Again, that call-in number is 401-283-6700. For the Inception Radio Network, I am MJ. 
you have a smartphone? If so, Inception Radio Network is the best app for you. Available on iTunes, Android, Samsung and most other app stores. Just search Inception Radio Network. With the app you can listen live, check out podcasts of recent and past shows, view our videos, see what shows are coming up, who the guests are and, via the chat room, send live questions to those guests. You know it makes sense. Check your app store now. Inception Radio Network. I'll see you there. Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. Would you like your favorite show to be played live on air? Well, now the choice is in your hands with IRN's Live Request Portal, an easy way to request your favorite show with a simple click. IRN's Live Request Portal now gives you exclusive access to all the shows. How easy is it? Simply type a show name or a guest name, click request, and even write a dedication message. That's it. Try it now. Simply visit InceptionRadioNetwork.com. Click on the Live Request tab under the show menu. Playing your favorite show is just a mass click away. Listeners, this is MJ saying hello and sharing an awesome secret I discovered. It's called DreamNuage.com. Fresh, raw, organic ingredients are used to create all their products. They are made in very small batches to ensure quality and freshness. Handmade in the USA, each product is created with care and with the finest organic ingredients. There are no preservatives, dyes, or chemicals in any product. Stop by Dream Nuage and relax. That's D-R-E-A-M-N-U-A-G-E dot com. Simple, raw, organic. to be back with Scott and Heidi, and uh, this is one heck of a story, and oh. I guess, you know, one thing, Heidi, I guess it does tickle me is that these creatures look so, or the, the uh, description is so far different from the, the you know, the little bulbous head grays and, uh, yeah, yeah, reptilians and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, well, you know, the thing, okay, now one thing, of course, uh, Hillary Clinton is not one of my big favorites, but 
she did mention recently for her own various political reasons that she would bring up the UFO issue if she, you know, got in the presidency. And of course her husband, to his credit, did try with Podesta and some other cohorts to get the info to divulge to the public supposedly, and they were stymied in their efforts. And, uh, of course, there's no reason that Hillary would be any more successful, but uh, I guess, Scott, uh, it, it's just so weird that they can they can keep saying the big lie like they did in the Atlanta example and, and mm. cover everything up with threats like in the Aztec thing and the Roswell circumstance and all the subsequent ones. It, it, it just shows you how manipulated our new system is. Well, keep in mind the whole time Clinton, Bill, said he was going to see what he could do on UFOs. Yeah. With one hand, he was saying that. The other hand, he was signing the bills, making it impossible to sue the government at Area 51 and oh, doing yeah. a land grab on people all the way up to, almost to Rachel, Nevada. Uh, you could write a whole book on that. So I Oh, that's true. That's true. That's yeah, true. I don't yeah. put any hope in any of politicians, let alone the Clintons, that they're going to get anywhere on this. So lie on one side and uh, and covered up on the other. Yeah, well, you had you had you had Jimmy Carter who had a UFO sighting. He couldn't get anywhere. Ronald Reagan had a, no. a really good UFO sighting on his own personal jet. He couldn't get anywhere. No, that's a temporary no. job. I mean, that's that's not uh, you know. Yeah, they don't look at them. The I same. actually go into a little bit of that in our book. That, that oh, do that's, good. That's like a part-time job. You're president of the United States. Big deal. The military might is going to be a lot more powerful than you. Well, supposedly the last uh, president that really had stroke in that context was Nixon, that actually knew about it. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, yeah. And but it's just it just I guess it's just amazing because. Well, I mean, you think who you know who could defy the president? I mean, you know, some general. You're not a general anymore, buddy. You're a corporal, and you'd be lucky to be a corporal or in prison if you defied me in this context. But there must be some overriding authority that controls it. Yeah. It's just, but yeah. who could be that? I mean, well, who would be powerful enough to represent that authority? I mean, well, I, I I can't remember the story a whole bit. I'll just give you the Reader's Digest version. But even sure. uh, Lyndon Johnson asked. One of the generals, I don't know if it was Curtis LeMay or something about Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and yeah. he said, don't ever ask me again. That, that's a general telling the president, "Don't ever, the answer is no and don't ever ask me again. God, who could talk to Lyndon Johnson like that? I know. I mean, yeah, yeah that's the pot. I'd have the Secret Service time. arrest him. I'd have the Secret Service arrest him right there and haul him off in irons right then. But, uh, of oh, course, you might no. want to. Or she might wind up like Kennedy or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want that. Yeah, I, well, I don't, no, think, I, I don't yeah. think that job's powerful enough to to get to the answers. I, and I think there's a reason. And, and you know, I've I've said, and Suzanne and I both said many times, there's probably a really great reason they covered this up. Technology, whatever. Yeah. And we, whether you're a Roswell researcher, Aztec, or Kecksburg, one of my favorite cases too is Ketch- oh, yeah. Kecksburg. Um, I was eight years old that night and thought go over Pittsburgh. But the thing is, we're never we, we can get we can get good evidence. We can get circumstantial evidence. We're never going to walk out with the lug nuts for the thing. You know? Yeah, imagine not. I imagine. Or, the, or a bar of soap from the lavatory. You know? <laughs> yeah. I like the way you're thinking. <laughs> well, well it's, in it's fairness, reality, you know, it's true. in fairness, Medvedev, the Russian president. 
They asked him when he was filling in for Putin for a few years, uh, well, theoretically, uh, they said, did they, you know, brief you on UFOs when you became Russian president for Vladimir? And he said, oh, yes, no doubt. I mean, just, in other words, it's like, did you, you know, get a, you know, get a drink of water that morning? Oh, yeah. I mean, in other words, to say it wasn't like it was a joke. It wasn't treated in the context about, you know, funny ha-ha. But, it, but it, and uh, I, I think it was what that one I mentioned now and then, Heidi, that Admiral Peter Hill Norton, that was like the British chief of staff head. Yeah, he was on the I, train and saw it that night. Wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know, but he, he died about circa 2003. But he did, before he died, he said, yes, there's UFOs. We don't know what what their M.O. is, but we know they're there and we can't do anything about them. But he admitted their validity uh, straight up. And he was, you know, the British chief of their their version, the Joint Chiefs of Staff chairman. Right. And uh, but he was probably as powerful as anybody that's ever come on uh, and, you know, belly up to the bar was saying they existed. Well, keep in mind when people tell you the Air Force uh, proved that there was nothing to UFOs and that's why they closed Project Blue Book. Somewhere in the house, we have the, the, the copy they released to the public. They never closed Blue Book because they proved UFOs didn't exist. They proved that UFOs did not appear to be a, a threat to our national security. Yeah, That is yeah. plainly spelled out in their closing report. So uh, I, yeah. their, their whole thing was, we, we don't feel they pose an, a, a risk or a threat to us. But they never denied they existed. Well, Scott, I've sure enjoyed having you and Suzanne very much. I'm sorry I'm on the sick side. but uh, Listen, we'll send you a link to the show, and I'll definitely get your book as soon as I can get my mitts on it. I certainly will. I thought one was en route to you. It may be, but, well, frankly, I haven't. I've been too sick to get to the mailbox. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's probably probably what happened. We we appreciate being on your show. We're honored. And uh, to all your wonderful listeners out there, Again, it's Barnes & Noble or Amazon or through our website. And through our website, you can get a signed copy if you like. Sounds good. Yeah. And we'll, mention the next, we'll mention the next couple shows, and then we'll steal off into the night. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for good. coming on. It was a pleasure. You bet. Oh, boy. Well, Heidi, uh, that, that was, they have done some research that's quite yeah. impressive, beyond impressive. Beyond. I mean, they put their money where their belief is. <laughs> I, I know it. I know it. Honestly. But, um, well, you know, I didn't get a chance to talk to Sue about the root beer. She makes designer root beer out there in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, I, I meant to mention that. But um, yeah. I love root beer and the birch beer we used to have when I was a kid. But then that was back when the Indians weren't fighting outside or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but... But now, Heidi, now next week we're going to have a, a Donna Voss on, and she's going to discuss some slithery stuff about Hillary. and Slithery. Uh, <laughs> yes, I mean, you know, Hillary sacrifices infants or whatever. She oh, does. my God, and eats them, right? <laughs> yeah, probably, yes, probably. But uh, <laughs> Should be interesting. <laughs> but no, Donna Voss is going to have a lot to say about politics, and she'll be good. And I did get Bill Hall. I'm having some problems. Uh, getting the Skype format uh, with Hall, but I'll, I'll work on that and uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, uh, but no, we've got a lot of guests coming up, and uh, nice. we should be ha- we should be happy as clams. And uh, what's going on with you and your show Friday? Anything good? 
Uh, this Friday, I you know, I was waiting on somebody uh, that was supposed to get back to me about booking this Friday. But instead, it's going to be all people's emails and chatting it up. Because uh, my my very first show, I gave people my backstory and everything. And oh, yeah. uh, then I had MJ on last Friday talking about MUFON, you know, Wisconsin. Uh, MUFON. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, so it was very cool. And, uh, you know, I have a whole load of emails I need to get to. So this will be great. And uh, then the following week, oh, I can't recall who it is that's going to be my guest. Um, oh, it's going to be Bill Bean, uh, the demonologist and um, exorcist. So, oh, really? How mm-hmm. about that? How Should about be that? fun. Yeah. So I'm always having fun with this stuff. I. I, I I never am bored. You know, even when you bring on these wackadoodles, I mean, Republican conservatives, they're all good. You know, it's it's interesting. I try to sit here and eat chocolate so I could calm down when they're on, but it's all good. <laughs> well, it's heartbreaking that Donald's not going to be on the the debate, uh, Fox debate Thursday, but yeah. keep him no, away from the evil Megyn Kelly. Well, Wolf Blitzer asked the question like, are you gonna? Are you committing to the debate? And it almost seemed like he'd never thought not to go until he was asked it. And then he goes, "Oh, I don't know." <laughs> it was like, what? really? Well, he did say clearly tonight he wasn't going to do it. Yeah, it was just yesterday, I think it was, and he uh, Wolf oh. asked him that, and and I'm like, oh, he's going to be there. You know, he isn't. It didn't even look like he thought about it, but boom, mm-hmm. there, there he goes. Maybe, maybe he's afraid Megan would bite him or something. Maybe he's afraid of the hotel he'd have to stay in. <laughs> well, you know, uh, he's pretty picky about where he stays. Yes. <laughs> I mean, more than you'd expect. But, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, we'll see. We got, we'll be more stuff to talk about on that end next week. You take care, and uh, it's been a good show, guys. Good Come night, back everybody. next week.
Progressive presents Get Pumped. Inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.